listening to the Feel Good Community Podcast. My name is Storm. And I'm Will. A few years ago, we began our journey towards learning more about sustainability, health, and wellness. The more we learned, the more we couldn't believe that this vital information wasn't mainstream knowledge. These simple yet effective ways to heal our bodies and save our planet are being drowned out by the latest pop culture noise. Together, we began to change our lifestyle to help heal our bodies, our brains, and our planet. We have become deeply passionate about sharing this knowledge, whether it's a book we're reading, interviews from leading experts, or even just personal anecdotes. We want you to know about it. And most importantly, we want you to take this knowledge and apply it to your own family and community. All that being said, welcome to the Feel Good Community Podcast. I want to let you know that things are going to be looking a little different around here with Will gone for training and the two of us gearing up for what's probably going to be over a year-long separation just due to the Marine Corps. The majority of these episodes will just be myself. Will will be popping on here and there, but in the meantime, it will just be me. So thank you and let's go ahead and get right back to the episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Feel Good Community Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Sarah Diamond, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and founder of Finding Ground Functional Nutrition. Sarah specializes in women's health issues. She works with autoimmunity, reproductive health, mental health, hormonal health, and digestive issues. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. I've been super excited to talk to you. Um, Will you go ahead and Kind of introduce yourself. If there's anything I've left out, just kind of lay it on me. Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I am a functional nutritionist, um, and I actually just started my business in at the end of January of 2021. So it's still a little baby. <laughs> I'm kind of figuring it out as I go, um, but I'm really loving it, and it's, it's definitely the most... Um, kind of in line with my kind of core self that I like job that I've ever had. So it's very exciting. Um, yeah. That's so cool. So how did you become um, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner? Because I, <laughs> yeah, I am obsessed with functional nutrition. <laughs> I I know it's like say that five times, yeah. five times fast. I was like <laughs> struggling, but yeah, I am obsessed with functional nutrition. I follow a ton of doctors and like mm-hmm. functional dietitians and nutritionists. Yeah. It's like, ugh, I love it. So how did you, like, what sets you on the path? Like, what are your credentials? Like, tell me your life story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got into this um, for the very first time before getting any true training at all um, when I was about 11 um, and my grandmother, um, who, yeah, both of my grandmothers actually, um, were really avid gardeners when I was younger. And I feel like I learned kind of the connection between strong women and good, healthy food from a very young age. Like that was very solidified in my brain. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then when I was 11, um, one of my grandmothers got cancer and she kind of just like had this, just like I, it kind of like when I hear her tell these, this story now, it feels like it was kind of a gut feeling that she had of like, there was another way to deal with this um, than yeah. just the more conventional path. And she did follow that feeling. And, you know, a lot of people gave her some, <laughs> some, uh, crap for it and she she just like stayed true to that feeling and she ended up healing her cancer with it with with nutrition um and it was just amazing so incredible and I remember thinking as I kind of grew up and learned that story that gosh if she could heal cancer with it like what can it do for my anxiety <laughs> you know, like, yeah it's like kind of smaller things that I was dealing with and um yeah. And then I just went down that path and got more and more interested. Um, and then the kind of next big event that really solidified that this was what I wanted to do was, um, I apprenticed at a nutrition and mental health clinic in London. Um, and I was just there for about seven or eight months. Um, so it was kind of a short thing, but, um, yeah, I just saw kind of firsthand what nutrition and mental health could yeah, you know what it can do. Um, and that for me was my personal struggle, like growing up. Um, and as a teenager was more mental health stuff and, Mm um, yeah, just seeing like people with very severe mental health conditions, um, finally find like actual relief with, with this work. Um, you're speaking to me right now. I'm like, (laughs) yes, cause it's big, very profound, stuff and, and work. It's, it's amazing. Um, and that was really the first time I think before that I'd obviously seen it happen to my grandmother. Um, but besides that, it had all kind of been in textbooks and on the internet and like, yeah, in, in kind of this like, like world that wasn't right in front of me. And so to see it firsthand was like, Oh my gosh, like this is real and it tangible to be spoken about and shared. Um, and then basically when I came back from, um, London a little bit later, I started, um, school at the nutritional therapy association. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was the one that just spoke to me the most. Um, it, yeah, it just really lined up with my values and, um, I really liked their philosophy. Um, so I graduated in July of 2020 and, Kind of what a good time to get your to <laughs> to really buckle yeah. down on nutrition and yeah. really just be able to get out there and give that gift to the world. Yeah, I mean that's what I really like about it. I'm actually going to continue my education in a master's degree this fall in nutrition. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah, but I did I liked this because it was like we need this information out now, kind of. And yes. Like, it yeah. means we need these like. I just really believe that the world needs more nutritional therapy practitioners. Like there's, Absolutely. Just, there's just so much that we can do and kind of get to the bottom of. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really, I feel that if there was more um, nutri- nutritionists and people mm-hmm. who are really focused on just what our bodies actually need, whether it's coaching and nutrition or coaching and exercise or, you know, some, some form of both of those. But if, 
if we didn't have to go to the doctor for every single ache yeah. and pain and tummy ache, yeah. I feel like I feel like the world needs like a million more nutritionists <laughs> and people to and for them to actually be used. Yeah. Because yeah. so what what do they say? Over 80% of um of illnesses can be taken care of just by lifestyle yeah. changes. Yeah, I, that's, and think of, that's true. Just think yeah. about the impact of, of, yeah. This, I'm like, <laughs> I feel, I feel a lot about this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Um, and I just think I, I, just something that you said made me think of this. Like I, I think, well, a lot of my work, I work with women and so I work a lot with mm. like reproductive health stuff and, um, Yeah, I just, a thing that I'm kind of noticing recently in clients is women, I think especially, like, um, are kind of from a young age, like, something, there's pain, and you're either told to just, like, bear it, or you're told Mm -hmm. to kind of, like, just take a, take a ibuprofen or take an Advil. Oh, yeah. It's like one of those Yeah, just take a pill. Right, right. Um, And then I just think that as we grow up, like, the same, I see it so much now with, like, period pain. and we're kind of just either again told to like grin and bear it or, yeah. you know, go on hormonal birth control and deal it that way, um, mm-hmm. which is not good for our bodies. Um, no, I yeah. so, can I interject real quick? Yes, please. <laughs> so I was actually, I, let me think, it was like September time that I'm the first time that I am off birth control since I was 15. And the only reason I got on birth control at 15 is because I was having ovarian cysts, but I still hadn't gotten my period yet. Mm. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I didn't get my period until I was almost like a month away from 16 because they gave me birth control. They're like, something's wrong with you. Just take this shit. Just, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, I got off to have kids, but then I would get right back on. And I did not realize how good my body can feel mm. off of birth control. Like yeah. just night and day. Mm. I did not know that this is how you are supposed to and can feel. Yeah. I, I didn't know. know. <laughs> like I had nothing to compare it with, you know, right. I my mean, whole life. Yeah. I'd been on birth control and then getting off, like, yeah, I had a little bit of acne. There was some, like, a little bit of mood swings going on the first couple months. Mm -hmm. But now it's, like, I feel so in tune with my body. Like, I know exactly when I'm ovulating. I know when I'm going to, like, I know. It's just, it's wild. It's wild. I didn't know that you could be in your body this much. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so unknown to most women that you can actually only get pregnant six days of your cycle. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, I, I didn't know that until pretty recently. Um, no, I didn't mean either. Yeah. I mean, it's just so wild how, how unin tune we are with our own bodies. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think that just, it speaks volumes about how like, you know, disease doesn't happen like all at once when you're like officially diagnosed. Like it's, it's usually kind of a, you know, it's been like, it starts with, I don't know, like oftentimes there's 
an autoimmune disease and then another 10 years later there's a new one and then so on and so on like if you can catch the first one earlier you can potentially save a lot down the road um and so much of it just has to do with that we like ignore and dismiss and just don't told it's normal our bodies yeah and yeah i um i listen to dr mark hyman a lot Mm -hmm. i bring i bring him up a lot my in my episodes because he was he was the first person that I like read his books and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like number one, the world really is on fire. Number two, we really are all dying. (laughs) And number three, we're all sick. And (laughs) I'm not, it's like 90% of the government's fault. Okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And I was, I was reading through your notes that you sent me, which, super helpful. Thank you. Because (laughs) I do, you know, I I know a lot of this, but you went into such great detail. And um, when you started talking about the um, magnes and how it like supports the um, the pituitary gland Mm -hmm. and how it's a manager for the thyroid, I was like, (laughs) this all makes so much sense. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is incredible how interconnected everything is. I mean, it mm-hmm. really like you kind of can't have one functioning system if another is really falling apart. Like it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. I think one, one of the things I, I really appreciate about functional nutrition and functional medicine in and as itself is that, you know, doctors and nutritionists, they don't look at individual organs or symptoms right. by themselves. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, no, they don't. Um, and yeah, it, it's all part of a big intricate in, um, you know, intimate and intricate system that, um, yeah, is, is also interconnected and we really don't think about it as a whole system because again, we were trained kind of to be like, Oh, there's pain in my like knee, like, Let's focus it's on just, just a knee problem. Being like, where is it coming from? Um, even something like, for example, I work a lot with IBS cases, and IBS is one of the most uh, misunderstood um, health issues. And there's just yeah. you're basically just thrown all of this like laxatives and like all of these prescriptions, and usually they're super expensive, and they don't actually get to the heart of the problem. They just kind of keep you stuck on the cycle of them. Um, Yes. Like antiacids. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about antiacids real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is such a huge one. And that one's even bigger really because digestion is a North to South process. And so Mm -hmm. the higher up kind of the problem starts, the more problems there's going to be down the road. So um, in the stomach it's, is, you know, pretty high in the digestive kind of track um, yeah. but yeah, the, di- the stomach is supposed to be, um, very, very acidic. It's to be 1.5 to three on the pH scale, which if you remember mm. from seventh grade, like, yeah. um, science class, it's pretty spicy. It's very, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then stomach acid itself is supposed to be like 0.8 on the pH scale, which is essentially pure acid. And mm-hmm. we think that, um, yeah, that, that, that our problem when we have acid reflux or heartburn or GERD, um, which is gastrointestinal, um, reflux disease, um, 
we think, and, and it makes sense that we think this, but we think that it is a problem of having too much stomach acid because we feel yeah. the acid, but actually it's a problem of not having enough. And so the stomach isn't acidic enough to actually do anything with that food. So it kind of is just sitting there in your stomach. And so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling of like, yeah. why isn't this moving through me? Um, which is, you know, bloat and all of this. Food. Yeah. I was going to say, that's when you get bloat. That's right. when you get like really bad, like gas and stomach pain. Exactly. Because your, your body can't do its job. Exactly. Yeah. And actually the small intestine, will it only wants to take the food from the stomach if it's very, very acidic. And so if it's not, if it hasn't reached that acidic level, um, the, the small intestine doesn't want it. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of in this like... It's like, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. um, and so usually what ends up happening is the only reason it actually gets pushed through is because more food comes in. <laughs> so it's, the uh, body's okay. just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, come on. No, I've been so fascinated with um, gut health ever since I discovered that um, my autoimmune disease, psoriasis, mm-hmm. yeah. is all in my stomach. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that getting sick was the best thing to ever happen to me. Mm, wow. That's getting sick yeah. changed my life because I had been low-grade sick basically mm-hmm. my whole life, didn't know it was just told, oh, yeah, psoriasis, it's incurable. Yeah. Here's some cortisone cream and um, yep. bummer. Yep. Yep. Okay, oh, next absolutely. is exactly how is, is exactly <laughs> how it was. Um, yep. And so I just dealt with it. I blamed it on water or I blamed it on changing climates, which yeah. contributes, but it's not the cause. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And once I... So I, I went to my favorite place in the world, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> and I picked up like seven books and like the inflammation spectrum, two of Mark Hyman's books, oh, um, uh, like healing your body naturally. Like just, I was like, all right, if, if what I'm putting on my skin, because I, so I, um, I worked at a hospital for, or I volunteered and worked at, um, hospitals for several years. I was in, um, I was pre-nursing, I was dual majoring in, um, psychology and nursing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a general idea of the bodies, yeah. the, the body systems and stuff like that. And I was thinking, I was like, all right, if my skin is the largest organ on my body, then why am I treating it so poorly? Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so, you know, let me, I'm going to, you know, forgive me. This is, you know, early 20s. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop getting fake tans. <laughs> I'm going to stop baking the shit out of myself. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop putting like crazy scented lotion on. Sorry, Victoria's Secret, Love Spell. <laughs> I'm cutting you out. And, uh, um, yes. <laughs> And then, um, you know, a few years later, I'm still having issues. Um, so I decided to pick up a bunch of books. Mm. And that's when I realized that, and I, I say this all the time, everyone's probably tired of me hearing it, of me saying it, but I was like, well, why doesn't everybody know this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why Why do I know that Kim Kardashian has a diaper <laughs> butt in her dresses, but I don't know that glyphosate 
is yeah. literally killing people. Like, yeah. why why isn't this just common knowledge? And it just yeah. it still frustrates and blows me away. And, I mean, that's why we created the podcast because we're like, this huh. shit needs – this is some important stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so thank you so much for coming on and, like, you know, sharing your knowledge with us because it is so incredibly important. Yeah. No, I, I just – I so agree with <laughs> all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is so not – yeah. It, it is incredible how um, – still under the radar it is like I kind of keep thinking like oh it's coming you know just I guess kind of because I'm a bit more saturated in it now um yeah I'm I sort of live in this world of like yeah it's out there like people know like this isn't and then I'll you know for example like turn the tv on or whatever and all of the ads are just like medications for things Mm -hmm. just like like antacids like we were just talking about and you know all this stuff that I'm like that's literally like, that's not going to actually help this person. And I, it's It's just like, it's like there's a house fire and you're just pouring water through the window. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You're not actually going in, going to the stove, turning it off, but you're just like, Oh, well I can only see the the fire coming out the window. So that's where it's from. Exactly. It's just on my skin. So it's a skin issue. It's just in my chest. So it's a chest issue and it's not. No, nope. It's not. Yeah. And that's really like the heart of what I do is, is get to the root cause. And it's often really amazing at like how far down the root cause actually is like, um, yeah, you often really have to dig and there's like a lot of detective work. Um, cause for example, like with IBS, as I was saying, like the root, co- I mean, there's a lot of root causes and or possible root causes, but for example, like one, um, one big one can be really, um, really big use of antibiotics for many years. Um, yeah. which completely, you know, wipes out your entire gut flora and then mm-hmm. creates this perfect, you know, breeding ground for, essentially disease. Um, yes. and you know, people are on those antibiotics for whatever reason for like years at a time years. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and from very young ages and we don't have any kind of, you know, medical ideas about how connected those two things are. Um, and obviously antibiotics are great for specific circumstances. Yeah. I mean, we need them. Right. They saved <laughs> millions, countless lives, yes. but they should be used sparingly and we yes. shouldn't just be like, Oh, you know, we do need to be careful yeah. with how we use them because yeah. like you were saying, they not only affect the good bugs in our stomach, yeah. but we, we're more, we are more foreign microbes than we are human cells. Yeah, exactly. We, so yeah. we should probably, we should probably take care of the guys that make yeah. us up. <laughs> Yeah. And so much starts there. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So um, I kind of want to talk about, so you said that your grandmother, she had cancer. She beat it with organic foods. Um, But, and you mentioned that she was a gardener and worked a lot with uh, Roundup. Yeah. Yeah. So she was, it's, it's such a kind of ironic like series of events because she was, she and my grandfather were very avid gardeners, um, mm-hmm. like my whole childhood and so much of their lives. And 
Um, they used Roundup, as so many people. Heck yeah, knew you got a weed. Did. You got a weed. Spray that on it. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because in a lot of the advertisements, they happen to show a dandelion as like the weed. And it's just yeah. so hilarious because dandelion is actually such a superfood. <laughs> like, it really is. Yeah, dandelion greens. <laughs> the fact that we're like trying to create like this beautiful, these like, you know, gorgeous, perfectly green lawns, but like kill the mm-hmm. dandelions is like just kind of funny because lawns don't really do much for us. So. And the fact that you know. we inherited that idea from French, um, like French monarchs. Mm, I actually didn't. didn't yeah. It's a, it's like a French elitist thing that if you could have, you know, acres of beautiful lawns, oh, wow. then you are very fancy. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. So it's a, it's like a classist thing that we, yeah. you know, inherited. Cause <laughs> like, think about your average suburban dad wearing socks and sandals. Oh, like, yeah. you know, he's proud of his lawn. He, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that's his baby. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's so funny because also in the ads, like, they show this, you know, very, like, manly, masculine man, like, yeah. with this, like, weed killer that looks kind of like a gun. And it's like, it's like, gosh, <laughs> <laughs> good gracious, like, this is, we can see exactly what this advertising is trying to do. Um, yeah. It's working. So making, like, gardening and weeding into this, you know, masculine, like. It's, it's the domination yeah. of your land. Yeah. It, it really, really is. Yeah. And that's that's something that in our, you know, in in many cultures, like you you have land and it's yours. And it, yeah. I mean, it's definitely like a Western, like European kind yeah. of co- like colonial roots. But it's like this is your land. You dominate it. Yeah. It's, it's yours. Like you fight with it and you get it to bend mm-hmm. to your will. Totally. And um. I mean, that's yeah. look at where we're at with industrial agriculture. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I just There's, want to say it's the same thing that we're doing with our bodies. Like, yeah, that we just need them to bend our bend. will and mm-hmm. you know not have its own needs. <laughs> like, yeah, it Absolutely. it will do what we say, and right. I feel that our greatest, really the greatest detriment to. I mean, our world and to our bodies is the fact that we have taken nature out of it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, we are so removed. Um, and we've lost that kind of, that wisdom of, of like knowing, you know, what what herbs and stuff that, you know, is, is good for, for colds and for ailments and for cuts and like all this stuff that I just feel like past generations really knew about and, um yeah, it is really sad. Um, yeah. And it's something I would love to see a cultural shift in, in America and, you know, everywhere pretty, pretty much it's not, you know, back to their roots. Not that I want us to like, yes, technology moves us forward, but we still need to be connected to our earth because we're, the one thing I've always said before I got even got into this is I always thought about it. And I was like, if we are of nature and our ailments are nature related, shouldn't nature have the answer? Mm. Oh, I love that. If, yeah. if there's a spectrum of disease from nature and, and cures from nature, mm-hmm. 
everything has to exist yeah. on this planet, like in uh, in the ground, in leaves, and bark, and you know, sap, like whatever it is. If there are problems that are like, if we're na- if we're nature and there's a problem in nature, there's a solution mm-hmm. that's natural as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't. I, I believe that man has like medicine and chemicals and things that can help. You know, like yeah. people have gone through chemo and have lived. Oh yeah, totally. and that has helped them. Yeah, but I believe that there are. I believe that answers lie within our earth that we haven't discovered yet or that we we aren't using yet. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I read something recently that said the future of the earth is the earth. And at first mm-hmm. I was like, what does that mean? And then it kind of slowly hit me that the kind of the future of our earth is not kind of towards more technology and more like away from the actual you know, what's actually happening with our, yeah, with our earth. And just such a prime example is like, it's not more towards like the impossible burger and like all of this synthetic food. Like it's actually towards regenerative. Synthetic meat. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a topic. (laughs) Um, Synthetic meat and (laughs) literally spraying dust into the atmosphere to block out the sun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, what man? Yeah. Man needs to back the fuck off. We do. We we do. <laughs> and it's, it's we've really gotten to such a point that we're. I feel like we're at a. We're kind of. We're you know, getting towards a threshold of like a point of no return almost. Like yeah. we really it needs to happen soon. I I feel. Um, and yeah, the future of the earth is the earth, and we need to. I love that. Back to it quickly. <laughs> Yeah. So how how do you use um, so you have your 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 um, I mean you're the founder of Finding Ground Functional Nutrition. How do you integrate natural practices to help with women's health issues and autoimmunity and everything that you do? Yeah, yeah. So I really focus on the foundations of health, and then kind of which basically just means that I work really really closely with the root cause. So. Usually what happens is I work um, with like getting the foundations in order and oftentimes you'd be like so surprised that usually those things that are happening farther downstream will just oftentimes like disappear. Like once you get your digestion working properly and you solve things like leaky gut, which is increased intestinal permeability, which is a lot of times the root of um, autoimmune disorders and basically what happens is... Hey girl, (laughs) you know, you know, what's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So basically like the, there's quite literally like your, your intestinal lining isn't sealed properly. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, food particles and molecules and toxins and all this stuff is like getting, it's, it's really kind of just tearing through that gut lining and it causes things like autoimmunity. Um, and then also digestive distress, like IBS can be, absolutely a result of that. Um, and then it also causes stuff like mental health issues. Um, cause there's yes. also, there's the blood brain barrier, which is, um, oh, I'm geeking out right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, get to it, get to the blood brain barrier. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're super, super connected and it's a very similar phenomenon that's happening in both the brain 
and the gut in so many ways. Um, but this is one of them that there's like a, there's a supposed to be like a barrier, um, around Mm -hmm. both of those. And it's supposed to keep the good things in and the bad things out. And once that gets permeable, um, it's just bad news and you learn yes. having things like toxins like enter the brain but it's, it's only once it's only about one cell thick and yeah. the blood brain barrier isn't as it's not as impermeable as we used yes. to think about 30 years ago i don't remember the doctor's name but he was like yeah blood brain barrier yeah. nothing crosses it's all good mm-hmm. but and you know as science has evolved yeah. we're like we've realized that it's actually important for this barrier to be permeable be yeah. permeable because we actually need your brain and your stomach needs to have that conversation. Yes, totally. Yeah. And that's like an important distinction because it's actually, it's increased intestinal permeability. It's not, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Like it needs to be permeable and and basically those that one cell layer thick the epithelial cells like need to be able to be strong and smart so they actually have to be able to make those decisions about like what goes in and what goes was what what stays in and what goes out and yeah that's really the the big issue is that those cells can't do their job properly um yeah the problem with um the problem with modern wheat or, you know, modernized gluten, basically, is that protein has been so skewed from it. It's not the same protein that it was 50, 100 years ago. Yes. Totally. So that's why you you hear the argument, which is an argument that I made when I didn't know. I was like, humans have been eating wheat for right. millennia. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Oh, gluten. I was definitely, my mom was gluten-free. I'd roll my eyes. She'd try, have me try a piece of her gluten bread. I'd be like, yeah. you know, gluten, gluten-free bread. Gluten-free products have come a long way in the past 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, just, just rolling my eyes. You know, I was like, yeah. this is so dumb. People have been eating wheat forever. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. But we haven't been eating this wheat. Absolutely. We haven't been eating these chemicals. Yeah. And that's when I made that distinction and once I started understanding industrial agriculture and and like monocrops, that's when I was like, oh, shit, I've been an asshole. (laughs) It makes you like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, I've been so wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's such a it's so it's so huge. And yeah, I mean, the 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 really incredible um just like it's it's blown up like celiac and not just celiac but um gluten intolerance and sensitivity mm-hmm. to it has just really really blown up in the last I mean it's really has not been that long it's honestly been like the last decade that it's really dramatically increased um yeah yeah and then I do think though you know people think that eczema is normal oh yeah people think mm-hmm. that IBS is normal mm-hmm. people think that psoriasis and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and um what's that thyroid disease that everybody Hashimoto's yeah people are just like oh like this is just something my body does yep it's not yeah. I know and, it, and I not. it's it's especially sad because then it, it kind of 
because we don't know where on earth these things come from, it, it further disconnects us from our bodies because it makes us at war with our bodies mm-hmm. and it's us versus our bodies. And it's like, that just adds to the, to the pain because I mean, especially with autoimmunity where it is actually your body fighting itself to then add to that, that you feel like you're being attacked. It just, it just creates hate this, your like, body. animosity. <laughs> like, it, it's just yeah. not a good way to kind of enter into a healing process. And I would almost go as far as to say is it kind of prohibits it. Um, because happening. you become, you know, and you, you know what anybody would have, like any millennial, I'm sick. I go to yeah. my doctor. My doctor prescribes me pills. I take the pills. Yeah. I, you know, I eat hot cheetos on top of pizza and then i don't feel good but i don't know why yeah yeah and it just continues this war that we have with our bodies and we are so disconnected because we think that only you know men in white coats Mm -hmm. can solve our issues Mm -hmm. when it's really our farmer oh yeah yeah and it's really the person that's growing our food like you know, I, I love the saying, like, pay the pay the farmer or yeah. pay the pharmacy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. when you, you talk about the, the root cause, and I'm like, it's, well, the root cause is the roots. Yep. The root yep. cause is what's in our soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, these soil, the, the farming practices go even beyond this new, you know, all these, like, really, really dangerous chemicals. Um, one of them being glyphosate, but there's, there's others too. Um, but it goes even beyond that because our soils are now so depleted that they don't have the, you know, vitamins and minerals that they're supposed to have, Mm -hmm. like the nutrients that they're supposed to have and that they did have a hundred years ago, even, even 50 years ago, there was more. Um, and so that's leading to think like why everyone is so magnesium deficient, for example, like like, because our soils don't have it. They don't, yeah, our soil literally doesn't have it and all of the stuff that we really need. Um, and so, you know, ideally, yeah, you wouldn't have to supplement and you would just get all of these things from your food. And I do advocate for that. Like I, I, I do want people to get their nutrition from their food first. Absolutely. But our mm-hmm. food isn't the same as it was, you know. Yeah. Even in you have to supplement now. Yeah. We, we kind of do. <laughs> like, unless you are eating purely heirloom organic <laughs> on on untouched virgin earth that has been sprinkled <laughs> by the blood of unicorns, <laughs> like you need to take you yeah. need to take your D three. You need to take oh. your magnesium supplement. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say that ninety nine percent of Americans don't eat nose to tail heirloom, yeah. organic, regenerative, hashtag pure AF food. <laughs> you know, like it's just not happening. It's not. Yeah, it's just it, not. And I would love to get there. I would love to see that. I would love to see, you know, community gardens on every block. Yeah. But we're not there yet. We're not there and, yet. Yeah. And, you know, it, you know, food access is such a huge issue. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, it really is the 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 problems just like compound and and it it's a big <laughs> it's a big issue that we're dealing with. 
It really is. <laughs> it was. Um, did you read Eat Smarter by Sean? Uh, I can't remember his last name, but have you have you read Eat Smarter? I have not actually. No. It's a really good book. Okay. It's a really good book. Yeah. Um, but so in this book, he talks about how, um, you know, he he grew up. I think he's just. I think he's like mid thirties. So he he grew up in the time of you know Kool Aid and microwave meals, mm-hmm. and um, he had a lot of health problems. But he mm. he spoke about how, you know, his family they would. His, specifically, he talks about his mom. He talks about how you know they ate the the standard American diet and mm-hmm. kind of worse than you know. And then he's like, my mom was always tired, so yeah. she she would say like, I'm tired, Sean. And so mm-hmm. I just it it makes me think about how many families are suffering, mm-hmm. and they're not able to get out of that cycle. Yeah. Because their nutrition is so poor, so they don't have the energy, oh, they don't yeah. have the mental clarity and yeah. the mental f- fitness right. to contribute to community projects, to mm-hmm. think because yeah. they're just fucking working their asses off yeah. and eating food that they can afford and that is available to them. Yeah. And then they're tired and they're sick and they're depressed and they're anxious mm-hmm. and all they can do is lay in bed yeah. on their days off. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's so, so there's so much there because this is also um, a lot of the issue with um, food access and racism stuff mm-hmm. and just how kind of that. I, I mean, a huge it's a huge topic. But yeah. Um, no. It's <laughs> just something just to kind of like just touch on it. Like, yes. it's, you know, a sick society can't rise up. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it seems as if it's almost like part of the plan is, yeah. you know, if you have whatever kidney failure or something, like you're not going to be protesting in the streets and yeah, you know, it, it really is like, it feels evil sometimes that, that these, it does. you know, that this is happening and it's so far, far reaching, um, and pervasive. Yeah. It, it really does. It's. <sighs> yeah. 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 It it is hard and it it does sometimes it does feel pre-planned. Yeah. Yeah. It does because well. especially when you look at um when you look at Flint, Michigan mm-hmm. and you look at yeah. Cancer Alley. Yeah. And you're like if this was a suburban white community, yeah. that shit wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you get. Are you really think that you're gonna poison a bunch of soccer moms who have Twitter and Facebook? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, but it's it's cool to you know give black and brown communities cancer. Like fuck it. Yeah. Is that attitude that our government and those and those in control of those communities have exhibited? Yeah. And that's not an accident. No. It's It's not an accident. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to touch on Cancer Alley. You mentioned is, is such an interesting, such an interesting situation of environmental racism and environmental justice, mm-hmm. and it's it comes back to the glyphosate issue actually. And there's um, many reasons I think for why it's happening where it is, but definitely glyphosate was one of them. And just to give people an idea of like what's happening with 
glyphosate, like this is just a great example. Um, yeah, so we spread it all over our crops in the kind of corn belt, bread belt, the Midwest of the United States. And yep. the Mississippi River runs right through there and then down into you know Louisiana. And it's literally all of the runoff from those farms, these industrial, you know, massive farms is going into the Mississippi River, um, which is, you know, literally tons of glyphosate in Roundup. Yes, all the runoff. Yeah. And it's going into the river and it's a, it's water soluble. So it doesn't actually go anywhere. Like all of the glyphosate that's ever been used on crops is all, is still like with us. <laughs> like it's in the rain yeah. and it's in the soil and it's, it's everywhere. Um, <sighs> And yeah, at the end of the Mississippi River in Louisiana, like the last 90 miles of it is called Cancer Alley. Um, and people there are, a lot of people are dealing with their fourth and fifth cancers if they even make it, you know, that far. Yeah. And if they even get to get five, can- right. their fifth cancers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, it's not a, it's not a life. It's not a quality of life that's, that's that's fair in any way. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and I'm just, you know, of course there's probably other things going on there. Um, I'm sure there's chemical plants there too, but there is a yeah. very, very strong connection between the glyphosate coming down through the Mississippi river. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was also reading about the air quality there mm. is, um, is one of the the biggest factors. I mean, of course, glyphosate contributes immensely, Mm -hmm. but um, it talks about how the air quality in Louisiana is actually getting is so air quality in the general American area is getting better, but Louisiana, the air quality is actually getting worse and worse. And this has been, this has been an issue that's over half a century old. Wow. Yeah. So, and it makes it makes sense, unfortunately. It's like not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just and the thing is, is like they can't get out of it because you can't no nobody's gonna want to buy a house there. Right. Yep. So they're stuck. Right. It's a vicious cycle. And it's just it's so it's it's just like how can we let this like how could we let this happen? Right. I know. How do we get here? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we know how we got yeah. here. But yeah. Still, yeah. We know. We know. Um, but it is still like, how has, yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's still shocking, even, you know, yeah. <sighs> it's one of those things. It's like, it's just, it's so heavy. Yeah. And you're like, how did, how is this okay? Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. And I just think that when I get into these head spaces of like, there's so much and how on earth could I even begin to make a dent? And like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to like, cause, and, and it's, it is sometimes hard for me to like, I'm working with individuals right now. And I think in the yeah. future, I'm going to graduate school for um, nutrition science and policy. So I'll be I'm hoping to work at a, on kind of like these, these sort of issues, like on a policy level in the future, That's awesome. but I've always, I also have just loved the working with individuals and it sometimes feels really small. And like, what does it really mean to like help one person feel better? 
but it means everything. Like it is so huge. And I've really, really come, I think through this, starting this business and, and doing this work, like I've really, that has so solidified in my brain that every little thing really, really does matter. And if they heal kind of by default, their entire family is going to hear about it and they're going to, you know, get on board in some capacity and their friends are going to hear about it and they're going to, you know, ask questions, all that stuff. And the ripple effect of healing is, is really far reaching and huge. Whole Um, communities. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a few healthy, vibrant people that you have, have healed, and then they're able to go into their community and see that there is another way and they're going to interact just like how when you were a child, you saw that your grandma was able to heal herself with organic food. And so now look, look at what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Like had she, I honestly, yeah. I mean, had she not had that kind of brave mentality, um, cause especially at that time it was even, it's not super huge now, but at that time it really wasn't like she was at the very forefront. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, had she, had she not, I probably wouldn't have gotten into it really. Um, so absolutely like each, every little thing matters a lot. Yeah. Um, so what are some things that you have been working on lately with your, with your clients? Yeah. Um, well, one exciting thing that I have that's I'm hoping to start in the beginning of the summer, um, is a group course. Cause I've been sort of realizing like a lot of the people, a lot of the women that I work with, like I, I want them to talk to each other. <laughs> like I keep yeah. having that feeling of like, you guys are having the same, you know, health issues and you've been on these same really, really hard journeys and you think that you're alone and I'm here to tell you that you're not alone, but I almost want you to have even more evidence that you're not alone. And this is, you know, all the like shame and the embarrassment or whatever that you're feeling or anger, you know, all of these emotions that come up with health. Um, you are not alone in feeling that way. And it's so natural. And, um, actually I would say part of the healing process is to feel all of that. Um, camaraderie is, yeah. Camaraderie helps you get through difficult stuff. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, you don't get sick in a vacuum and you also don't heal in a vacuum. Um, it is, yeah. Like it's not your fault that you are sick and you know, you didn't cause it. Um, you know, oftentimes it's because of the society and the culture and the environment that you're living in, um, way more than any individual, you know, choices. Um, there is, there is that, but a lot of the time it's, it's part of just like where you're existing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just talk a lot about with them, like this idea of radical responsibility and, you know, you didn't cause it. It's not your fault, but you are responsible for healing it. Um, because unfortunately no one's gonna, you know, unfortunately it's you, you know, (laughs) yeah, unfortunately it's, it's it's your body. You gotta, Right. And you know, you're, yeah. 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 And so I'm, I'm here with you the whole way and I'm, you know, but it's, you know, ultimately like 
I'm a guide. I'm not like literally, you know, I can yeah. do the, the kind of toolkit and roadmap and then it's, um, you know, it, it is an, an end of, it's, it's in some ways a bit of a solo journey just by necessity. Um, but I have been just really noticing but that, that, I've... that like, that, that a lot of them have similar issues and would, um, really benefit from that community feel. And so I'm really wanting to put together a group course. Um, and basically what I want to do is a like gut healing course. And we kind of like go through that whole process together while also, I just think that the connection between, um, healing your gut and healing your, especially as women healing, like your boundaries and, healing codependency and healing kind of people pleasing tendencies go really yeah. hand in hand. Um, like as you seal that gut wall, I feel like you actually also create stronger boundaries just in your life. Um, it's that intestinal fortitude goes both ways. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I mean, I don't know if there's like science behind it or what, but it, it feels like, you know, it, I mean, I mean, there probably is just because of the gut brain connection too. Like yeah. it makes a ton of sense that, um, yeah. And, and how, like when you heal your gut, you can like start standing up for yourself more and all of these like really cool things. And I would just really love to lead women through that. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it's something that I'm still very much working on. Not exactly the like total expert, but I think that's part of it. Um, yeah, so that's a really exciting um, thing that's happening is just kind of expanding what I offer and experimenting with different ways of, yeah, offering what I do. And um, yeah, it's exciting. I Yeah, that's that's really cool. I think the, um, I think one of the, the massive benefits of this group course that you're talking about is food food is such a cultural it's it's in everything we do it's in Mm -hmm. our birthday parties it's in grabbing drinks with girls it's Mm -hmm. it's all of those things that you know you want to go to brunch you want to go to lunch you want to go get coffee and for people with intestinal issues it can feel very you can feel really alone yeah and you know like it's I'm getting there, but it's, you know, I'm still kind of embarrassed that like when a friend's like, oh, I want to try this new pancake place. Mm, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll go with you, but mm-hmm. I can't have any. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Let's go do something else. But mm-hmm. it it sucks because yeah. so much of what we do, I'm going to say 90 percent of social interactions involve or are surrounding yeah. food. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so when you have these autoimmune issues, you have these gut issues, you can feel really alone. Mm-hmm. It can be very frustrating. But when you have a group of people who have the same issues as you, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to feel – no one's going to bring up going to, you know, pizza. No one's <laughs> going to bring up going to Happy Pancake. Like, yeah. it's just like, hey, let's go for a walk and bring celery. Like, <laughs> you know. I love it. Yeah, that's but, so interesting. Yeah, I, I I so identify with that, um, and I think that is re- I, it. Yeah, it, it's so much of healing is to find the right communities for you, um, and find people who are like minded. And 
it does incredible. It, it It's incredible for your overall healing. It's, I, I would almost say that it's like necessary. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the work like with my, with my grandmother, with her cancer, like so much of it was about the partner um, who was helping, you know, wife or husband or whatever, or a friend, like whoever it was that was helping them through it. And yeah, that they were like just as much part of the whole process. Um, and, and it, it was just a beautiful thing that um, you're not really meant to go through these healing journeys, whatever, um, alone. They are, they're meant to be in community. Yeah. Yeah. And healing can't, like you were talking about earlier, like healing can't be done alone. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need that. Yeah. And so that's really awesome that your grandma had that support and that you that you in turn, like you are creating a community of women that can help each other in yeah. all sorts of different areas, whether it may be, you know, purely intestinal or, you know, social, like their social issues. And yep. so that's really, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I did want to kind of ask you a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned, you say there is currently a huge amount of stress in what we think is just a bite of food. Mm, yeah. Um, what did you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is also a lot of not just glyphosate, but kind of just how we're, how we've made food into such a commodity that needs Mm -hmm. to be sold. Um, it goes back to, you know, how I I have a lot of roots in like the food waste world. Um, and yeah, how we, we go to the grocery store and your apples need to be perfectly shiny and your, you know, broccoli needs to be like, as if it was like painted. (laughs) Like, Yeah. We have these kind of crazy, um, you know, ideas of what food looks like now. And it's, it's really harming us. Um, yes. And, but yeah, that particularly was, um, this idea that the, the plants that we, you know, um, start with like, like plants on a farm are that we're farming industrially are not even they're They're so genetically modified that they're not even really themselves. Like, these, these yes. corn they, plants, for example, like they're kind of just very far removed, like just kind of like echoes of what yeah. they originally were. They're barely corn. Like if you get down to the DNA, it's so far removed and so much of the nu- nutrition from soil that's supposed to be very nutritious, but isn't, um, is, is gone. And, you know, we take the nutrition out of the soil and then the plant doesn't grow you know, optimally the way it's meant to. And then we put, you know, pesticides to keep the bugs away. But then, you know, it, it's just crazy. <laughs> like it's just, I mean, if you look at chickens too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, that's a great example. Yeah. Did you read um, the Dorito effect? I did read that one. Okay. Yes. I was like, please <laughs> don't let me strike out. <laughs> I'm going to read but, all the ones that you've recommended. <laughs> I did but if, that one is so crazy about how um, they have like, and so for those of you who haven't read the book is they basically had like a national contest on who could make the biggest chicken grow in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of input. So food. Yeah. 
And um, <laughs> yeah, and so basically, and they didn't, so when they were having like the contest, they didn't, they didn't look at the nutrition value of the chicken right. breast. They didn't look at the flavor or what they were actually being fed. The only thing they cared about was how big, how fast, and how little. Yeah. How cheaply can we, how cheaply and quickly can we bang out this chicken yep. and get it on a supermarket shelf and then sell it? Yep. That's it. That's Th- That's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I know, so it's-, it's just wild to me. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I actually remember that. And then I'll get back to your initial question, but that um, reminded me of, yeah, I um, was in another kind of big pivotal moment for me was I went um, abroad in college to Panama to live on this like off the grid kind of community. And just to kind of like, I was so, so fed up at the time with, with food. And I was like, this is just driving me nuts that I don't even know what I'm supposed to feel like because the food that I'm eating is like not actually food. Like I was just. Yeah. Upset. It's a commodity. <laughs> it's just a commodity at it's, that point. Right. It's exactly what you were just talking about. It's I was. And so I was just so curious and like the, there was just this strong urge to know what, you know, what actual food even was at that point. And mm-hmm. so I went there and one of the things that we did was kill chickens and then, you know, eat them. And that was the first time that I had done anything like that. Um, and I just remember, I mean, the whole process was really, really difficult, but also just incredible because I had eaten, you know, chicken before and never was, you know, too emotional about it. I was a vegetarian for a while, but I hadn't, there was never any real connection. Um, cause that's yeah. kind of how our food system is now. There is no, yeah. Meat comes between, um, between plastic and yep. styrofoam. Yep. Yep. And we don't have no idea it. where it came from or what, the, like, we know nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember eating that chicken and it didn't taste at all like, you know, chicken that I'm, you know, used to. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so wild. Like, what other foods are just not what they but they taste like <laughs> that aren't yeah. what I think they taste like. Um, it was a really big moment and yeah, also very pivotal. Um, but that also goes in line with the rest that I was going to say about your initial question. Um, that, yeah, that, so yeah, we have these crops such as corn. Um, that's not even real. It's not even real corn. Like it's so, so far removed. Um, and then we feed it to animals and cows, for example, they're not supposed to eat corn. They're supposed to eat grass. So they're eating corn, which is not their real diet. And it's not even corn. Like it's, so we're already just so far removed. Um, A a chemical sprayed cash crop. Yes. Yeah. And then the cows are given antibiotics because they're so sick from eating this corn and they're shoved together. <laughs> and they're like. And CAFOs. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no resemblance to their, you know, natural life. Um, and then, you know, the animal super stressed. It's pretty much, you know, not to get, you know, graphic or just like too upsetting, but it's like basically on the verge of death by the time it's actually killed. Like it's not mm-hmm. a healthy living being. 
This and is then, an animal that's like on pasture. Yeah. You know, that is like taken to a separate area. Yeah. Quietly and gently as possible killed. Like, yeah. No, the, the animal is scared oh, when yeah. it's in these factory farm situations. Yeah. I mean, you look at videos of the, the Tyson um, chickens and how they're like yeah. thrown around. So yeah. all those all those chemicals are racing through the like the adrenaline and everything is racing through the the animal's bloodstream and through their um and through their muscles yeah and we're eating it yep yeah and then we wonder like why we're so panicked (laughs) yeah well like why we have anxiety it's like well there's there there's one possible reason um the all the food that you're eating and it's not i i believe it's not really it's not even just the animals like those plants are are traumatized too like that's not you know, plants, we don't think of them as being, you know, living exact. I mean, you know, in that way, but well, yeah, we don't think about them having feelings, but, right. but studies have shown that, um, that plants do respond to stressor, like to yelling, to like, yeah. to plants being killed next to them, that they emit, um, higher frequencies of like energy. Like you yeah. can gauge a, a plant's you know, quote unquote emotions. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's, and, um, uh, we had a previous, uh, a previous guest come on and talk about the mycelium connections and forests and how plants mm. communicate yeah. with each other yeah. through, f- through fungi, through, um, root systems. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, it's incredible. It is incredible when you look at the connectivity that is earth that is how how we are supposed to be and how we are so far removed it's like no wonder why we feel like shit no wonder why our bodies hurt no wonder why we're dying and the earth is dying Mm -hmm. because we have separated ourselves from the earth it's it's the planet and then there's us and it's when in reality we are one yeah yeah yeah, and that's really the only way forward. Like, there's only – I just think that there's a threshold with our current way of operating. Like, we, mm-hmm. we are living on a finite planet, and so maybe we have the brains and the, you know, whatever, research to, like, do all this crazy stuff with technology and, um, you know, all of that. Um, but it, there's there's only so much that the Earth can handle and yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna reach a tipping point, um, and we should stop before we get there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that they are investing billions of dollars into research into other planets. Yeah, well, I'm like, how about you just fix this one? Right. I know. How about how about you stop stripping everything from this Earth, yeah. and then looking for the next ne- looking for the next place? Yeah. And it's just wild to me. And I'm like, if you put that money here, if you put that money into farms yeah. and our soil and our communities and our air quality, yeah. you wouldn't have to escape this planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you can be rich, but you're still going to die. You're going to get sick. Your kids mm-hmm. are going to get sick. Like, congratulations. You, you know, sold seeds and made a, a dependency of all these farmers 
But what do you like? What are you gonna have to show for it? Exactly. Like, like, why is this this dire need to to acquire ridiculous amounts of money? Like, what are you gonna do with it? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. What are you and gonna it's, do it's... with it when your kids can't eat? Right. You know, and it's it is it's it's really because it's not affecting them right now. Like we live in such a kind of go, 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 like, like just looking at right what's in front of you, um, Mm -hmm. society versus any sort of kind of more long-term thinking. And so we don't have much of a connection as I think, you know, other kind of cultures sometimes have of like thinking about what our grandchildren are going to have to deal with. Like we're not, we don't do that as much. And yeah, you know, we barely think about what we're going to have to deal with later in our own lives. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really hurting us. Um, it's just the, the, the present centric yeah. thought process. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, we just, and I mean, if you look at that's, it's kind of like how we live. It's like, we're in debt, yeah. you know? Um, I don't, I don't care how much this car costs. I want to buy it. I don't care what these clothes are doing to the environment. I want them. Yep. Yeah. And same with food and our health. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very guilty of eating like crap sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm like, you know, like I, I try to eat healthy. It's, you know, it's something that I have to do. Otherwise my body falls apart. Yeah. But you know, when everybody's like hyping up the Popeye's chicken sandwich, you're kind of <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like, you know, and so it's, it's hard. Yeah. It, it is, it is hard to be conscious in all pieces of your life when you are on a health journey, but you're also on a sustainability and yeah. ecological journey. Yeah. I think, to, yeah, it's so much about just remembering that, that it is a long road and in long, in long roads and long journeys, like you're allowed to mess up. Like the whole point is not to be perfect. Like that is probably yeah. the first thing that I tell the people that I work with is the, the more kind of obsessive and striving for perfection and never messing up and living in a box that you are the the more likely you are to fail, like literally. Yeah. Um, because you're going to get really frustrated. You're going to get angry. You're going to get burnt out and it's not going to last. And, um, that's like kind of the worst thing that you could do for your health actually is to, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about, about like demanding that your body is, is perfect. Um, cause that's where bodies aren't supposed to be perfect. They are living, breathing, you know, things. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and, uh, we, we covered a lot and, um, I'm really, yeah, I was really excited to talk to you today and, um, um, I, I do want to, I, I do want to go ahead and touch on one more thing. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the I want to talk about glyphosate and the chemicals that actually came out of World War II that were actually weapons of 
destruction Gosh, yeah. and how we are now putting those on the foods that we consume. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It's so insane. The, the history of, of glyphosate is just, it's wild, but yeah, after, so during world war two, we had this really huge petroleum industry, um, basically like from the war. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we, um, started to make chemical based fertilizers for the first time, just like, because we had all of this extra, um, like, like, yeah, basically petroleum. And, um, we then for the first time we're like, okay, we don't need to do like all of this stuff that we used to do with farming, like composting and regenerative practices, like crop rotation and making, you know, having animals be involved in the system where, you know, animal waste is part of the um, fertilizer and it's this beautiful natural cycle. These, you know, new companies were like, you don't have to do that. Just use our, just use our chemical instead of doing Yeah, all it's all good. Here, easy. Take this pill. Oh Slap this bandaid on it. Exactly. And it's like, had they known the amount of damage and the amount of just, and not even just, I mean, it's the amount of wisdom that they were just stripping away in that moment. Um, it, you know, I would have, I would like to think it wouldn't have happened, but honestly, it probably still would have. So, um, but yeah, this was in the 1960s. Um, and it basically like turned the plants into these really weak. I mean, it's yeah, similar to what I was talking about. Like it turned the plants into these weak, like literally the immune system of the plant started to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, plants are really not that, that, that different from us or animals. Um, and it then becomes way more, um, susceptible to things like viruses and pests, um, and all of this stuff. And, um, then, then if, if it's susceptible susceptible (laughs) to pests and viruses, well then that's something else I can sell you. Right. Exactly. And now suddenly, wow, a new product is made. (laughs) Oh, Hey, look, buy these seeds. We have really great seeds. You don't even have to worry about all this other stuff. Just buy my seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Oh, actually that didn't really work out to great. So here's some, yeah. it's a, it's a special pesticide for my special seeds. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at that two products that are going to make literally billions of dollars right there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because actually the root system of the plant is what's supposed to keep those viruses at bay. Like plants are supposed to have this really you know, beautiful, huge root system, um, mm-hmm. another great metaphor, <laughs> um, that is supposed to keep those viruses and pests at bay. And, um, now that they've used this chemical and the soils are depleting, the roots aren't as strong. Um, and that's when we need the weed killers. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, farmers are now locked into this relationship with these companies because they now now their own soils and their own plants are so weak that they need all of these chemicals. Like it's just it's a just vicious a whole, cycle. Yeah, um, and it's the same exact thing that's happening with humans. <laughs> like we are not being fed the food that we need to thrive, and our immune systems are not as strong. 
Um, and then, you know, we're taken down a lot easier and, um, and we're, there you go. (laughs) It's the same exact thing. It's amazing. Yeah. I remember reading an article that human, um, human infertility is supposed to hit its peak in like 2040, 2045. Mm, And a huge part of that is endocrine disruptors that are, coming from I mean you know this they're coming from plastics so do you work on that when you um have women um coming to you for um for like infertility and um and like do you do you how do you approach plastic in your practice yeah I mean it's such a huge topic it's xenoestrogens are these kind of like uh, estrogen mimickers essentially and they look like estrogen to the body um and so estrogen dominance is this really really huge issue that yeah can definitely throw off things like fertility um and it goes way beyond that too to like it's the cause of like it can be the cause of um irregular periods and pcos pcos okay yeah, yeah fibroid fibroids and i mean headaches like it really just goes on and on um And yeah. And so, um, yeah, plastics is an interesting topic that I'm really hoping in the near future to kind of go into a lot more. And, um, yeah, for now I basically recommend the basics and that is basically to have your own water bottle, to have a water filter. That's not just, um, your tap water, like, there are places that your tap water is technically safe, but it's not optimal. And there's still stuff in there that if you are healing and you're sick, you you don't want it. Um, so that's there's, one thing. Yeah. Here um, in Okinawa, there yeah. is a huge issue between um, the bases um, polluting the water systems here. Mm. And it's wow. been linked to... Um, the rise in cancer in Okinawans and wow. you know yeah. what I'm a tap water drinker um I'm not gonna lie my Brita is too slow I just want to <laughs> fill up my water and I'm like I'm just thirsty I don't want to yeah. wait 10 minutes for my cup to fill up mm-hmm. um and I was reading some articles and these these local um reporters are trying to bring this as a big issue but it's not, it's not gaining a lot of attention. And they're like, look, we have the numbers. We have scientists and doctors that are saying that the bases are polluting our waters, but it's all hush hush. Yeah. And it rings a bell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, Ooh, this water is not good. But then, you know, in a week I I'm filling my water back up from the tap. Because yeah. oh, I, I've looked, yeah. I've looked into water filtration systems. Um, forget the name of the one. It's like big. A lot of people like really like it, but it's like five thousand dollars. And I'm like, yeah, oh, like oh, you can, turkey. you can, yeah. I'm like, they're yeah. like, you can finance it. And I'm like, right, I know. <laughs> what? I know. I know there's some like, things like that that are like, okay, maybe the technology is there, or you know, whatever the the research and knowledge is there, but it's not accessible. So like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, it's, that doesn't mean that it's. So yeah. only the elite, right. you know, only people making like quarter mil a year can afford 
clean right. water. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the direction that we're headed and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I, I read a quote that I, I really enjoyed and it said that growing your own food is the most, um, is the most radical thing you can do. Mm. Yep. I yeah. love that because yeah. when you take your nutrition into your own hands, amazing things can happen. And yeah. not everyone can grow all their own food. Like right. that's so, you know, you look at across America, that's so rare for every single yeah. person to be able to produce their own food. Mm. But we can move in the right direction with community gardens, with urban gardening, with, you know, just we container yeah. garden here on our balcony. Yeah. You know, we have tomatoes, we have peppers, we have, um, we just harvested um, some garlic. Yeah. And the thing is that everybody needs to grow what they can. Right. Yep. And you don't need fancy things. You need, we're growing um, basil mm-hmm. and we're growing basil in mason jars. Mm. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Like we have, and it's yeah. in our, we have a windowsill and we have, um, we even, we have a pepper and two basil plants growing out of mason jars and they are perfectly happy and they taste great. Mm, and so awesome. the soils from our compost, yeah. you know, and I give them little boosts with banana water and like, mm. Anyone can do that. Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. A a five-year-old wanting to do a science project can do that. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's just, it's something that we need. Everybody needs to grow something. Yeah. Even, right. Even if it's literally one thing, even if it's basil in your windowsill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And then there's also things like, you know, community supported agriculture um, where you can get like a box delivered or, or you pick it up from, like, your local farm. Yes. Um, that's a really, like, if you just really can't grow your own, that's another really awesome way to do it. And there's also things called, um, or there's, it's Imperfect Produce, Hungry Harvest, yes. Misfits. Um, Misfit. My mom gets Imperfect <laughs> yeah. Harvest. Yeah. Um, it's so awesome. It's basically, like, um, a box of produce that would have been thrown away because it's kind of, like, ugly it's or not, like a little, it's not like, pretty right yeah exactly and it's but it's perfectly good and usually those are also organic because the organic mm-hmm. ones by nature <laughs> don't look you know super perfect um yeah you're actually getting good organic produce and it's sometimes often like 40 percent less than the grocery store price so yeah because it would have just been thrown away anyways right exactly yeah it's It's, I'm super excited. I'm moving back to Florida this summer and Mm -hmm. I am so excited to be able to go to a farmer's market and to, like, I really want to try heirloom chicken. I haven't gotten to yet, but after I read the Dorito effect, I was like, (laughs) I'm going to find someone. I'm going to, I'm going to get a chicken. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I, I've just been so interested in functional nutrition and, yeah. um, yeah, I would, I would love to pick your brain sometime if you could, because I, yeah. I do want to go back to school when I do get back in the, when I get back in the States, yeah. um, because I, like I, I'm, I've become so just amazed and passionate about 
the healing powers of food. Yeah. And that's just something that I like just geek out about. And so when we connected, I was like, who is this person? (laughs) Like, let me, I'm going to stock all your stuff and like read everything. So it was really, it was really cool to be able to connect with you and, um, and talk with you on this. So thank you so much. Oh, same here. I was so excited to, and I listened to like so many episodes and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so needed. And I love how you touch on so many different parts of the food system. And it's just, it's all so relevant and they're all, you know, just like all of, all of our, every part of our body is inter- interconnected. All parts of the food system are interconnected. And um, yeah, I just, I love that you're getting this stuff out there. It's so awesome. Thank you. Okay. So before we go, <laughs> is there anything that you want to share with uh, with women or, you know, men or whoever that are going through these health issues, but they just feel lost. Like what's something that you could tell them or something that you could share with them to kind of help them out? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just um, put you on the spot. <laughs> so, okay. I think the first thing that I want to say is, so I, the thing that's coming to mind is something to do with shame because that's what, just a lot of what I work on with women. And I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to just be women, but um, there's so much shame around health issues. And we are taught that it's if – it, if we're not taught that it's our fault, we're taught that it's not – there's nothing that we can do about it um, and kind of – It's just, I think we just live in this like world that's not very empowering around health. It's very much like Mm -hmm. you have no idea what's going on and you, because you didn't get any like formal training on, you know, medicine, you therefore know nothing about your body and you need to go ask someone who did all of that training. And it's just so like, you're just at the mercy of, you know, all of these like drugs and pills and people who don't even really know you. And a lot of these doctor's appointments are like 15 minutes long and you don't even get to say the first half of your whole story. Um, so yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say, um, is, is to release shame in whatever way that you can around it. Um, there's a Brene Brown, Quote that I use a lot that is, if we share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. I like that. I love Brene Brown. I know. She's incredible. I use her work a lot. Um, Yeah. And it's, I just think that that is so, so important um, because I think especially with autoimmunity, like you're attacking yourself on so many different levels. It's not just like you know, for example, like thyroid antibodies with Hashimoto's, like it's also, you're attacking yourself in forcing yourself to be perfect all the time and to get the perfect job and to like have the perfect Instagram feed, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just live this perfect life. And, and it's not actually authentic or what you really want. And yeah, I, I think that so much of it is shame driven. Um, and feeling like we're not good enough as we are. Um, And I would just kind of start there. And that's, I think, where a lot of healing can begin to happen. Um, So it may seem unconnected too. 
actual health issues, but that is a barrier that I think needs to be broken down first before this like bigger work can happen. I love that. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. I've been so excited. This was awesome. Yeah. All right. You have a good one and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Me too. Thank you so much. social follow us at the feel good community podcast on instagram for daily inspiration our blog and behind the scenes footage join the feel good community podcast on facebook where you can read interesting articles ask us questions and share progress of your own journey